0: Welcome to the Victorian Parent Council VPC Parent Podcast Series. VPC is a registered charity organisation dedicated to everyone who support parents in educating their children. I'm Jackie Vanderveld, your host today. Well, good evening and welcome. Uh, My name is Jackie Vanderveld and uh, it's my great pleasure to be hosting tonight's uh, VPC Live with Glenn at Melbourne. So just a couple of little advertisements and housekeeping before we get started. We have a a new VPC membership. So I think some of you have taken advantage of that. Uh, So what uh, that means for you as parents is that there is a reduction or a discount for most of our events and your membership will last until the end of 2023. So a bit of a bargain. And in becoming a member, Remember, you're supporting the not for profit parent organization and voice in Victoria. You joined to become active, to support, to attend events to be able to access and listen and watch previous recordings of our VPC live events. And also, too, we encourage you to get involved to use your talents and skills. Uh, So if you have any suggestions for topic speakers that you would like us to share, then please let us know. So we have a wonderful speaker tonight, Associate Professor Glenn Melvin. Um, Glenn and I have actually done quite a few podcasts in the past, so you may well have uh, heard or listened to or seen. I think some of them were some of them may have been videos but uh, you certainly may have picked up on some of those in the past. So Glenn is an associate professor and clinical psychologist at the School of Psychology at Deakin University in Melbourne. He's an honorary associate professor at the University of Warwick in the UK. He has a research and clinical interest in school attendance, and he has undertaken several research projects that aim to understand the cause of non-attendance and how best to improve attendance in students who are struggling to get to school. He provides consultation to family schools and services on how best to support student attendance. Glenn is also the co-founder of the International Network of School Attendance, and he serves, serves on its executive committee. He recently co-chaired the uh, International Network of School Attendance conference than 2021 and he's recently co-authored guidelines for parents whose children are reluctant or refuse to attend uh, which will be referred to during this presentation. So, Glenn, welcome. It's lovely to see you again.
1: Thanks very much, Jackie, and uh, thanks to the VPC for inviting me back. Pleasure to be here. Um, before we get going, I'd just like to acknowledge the uh, traditional owners of the lands that they we're meeting on uh, um, spread uh, far and wide and uh, um, welcome any Aboriginal people um, and acknowledge elders uh, past and present. Okay, so we've got uh, this evening and to have a bit of a chat about school uh, refusal and, and reluctance. So this is a tricky topic and uh, I appreciate you taking time out of what must be a busy evening um, um, for this uh, webinar. Okay, so let's get going. Um, so uh, I guess it's will uh, come as no news um, to any of you that uh, each day um, at school uh, is an important event. And we see better outcomes um, academically um, in terms of occupation um, and with more attendance. Um, We also see social benefits. And I often say we go to school um, to to learn our ABCs, but also um, uh, to connect with friends um, and to learn uh, to problem solve and creative um, thinking. Um, And also we see with more attendance and we see reductions in in risks. So I guess it's pretty clear um, to us uh, the importance of um, getting along to school um, every day. But we know and expect that kids will miss school and they'll miss school um, for a variety of uh, very legitimate reasons and others that perhaps aren't sanctioned. Like you can see there, there's a, a image of the truancy police in, in England uh, and there. Um, but tonight we're gonna focus um, very, I guess, specifically on um, reluctance and refusal. So reluctance, I might just start out with a bit of a definition. What do we mean by reluctance? I guess this is actions or statements that tell us usually pretty clearly um, that uh, the child, the teen, doesn't want to go to school that day. we could see, you know, not getting out of bed, pulling the covers over um, in, in the morning, um, protests, verbal, um, stamping the feet, not wanting to go. Along with that, tantrums um, and a lot a distress um, before school. We can hear about illness complaints as well, uh, complaints of headaches and and stomach aches, which might be in some instances, um, signs of anxiety. Poor sleep the night before school um, can be also a sign of reluctance to get along, especially sort of Sunday nights. And during uh, the pandemic, we certainly saw complaints about homeschooling in kids that were um, reluctant. But in these kids, they get along to school. They attend in whatever form um, that is. They're reluctant, but they get there. And this contrast, um, well, I've already indicated this last sort of point, um, this is really A common experience. Um, Most kids um, at some point will not want to get along to school um, and they'll uh, let you know. Refusal is different. Um, Refusal um, includes severe difficulty uh, attending school, um, so there is some time um, missed, and that's in the context of emotional upset. And so the reason for not getting along is due to this um, very strong feelings. And we most often will see anxiety. And in um, uh, often um, older teens, we can also see uh, sadness and depression and and hopelessness um, about school. So it's these emotional reasons that uh, uh, result in non-attendance. So these kids stay at home um, with their parents' knowledge. They know that they're there during the day. And um, these kids tend not to be um, those who perhaps we might describe as being antisocial, who are um, perhaps getting in trouble with the police or doing graffiti and, and crime, these sorts of things tend not to be that. And then we see that parents have made some effort um, to get the child sort of along to school. So the parents are doing their very best um, in often what is a a really tough um, situation. So we see this uh, cartoon by Tanberg, I think, sums it up. So it looks like the parent is speaking to someone at the school. He said he wouldn't go. We discussed it for 10 minutes, and then he said he wouldn't go. And then things get stuck often. So how do we sort of understand what's behind um, school refusal? I think we need to think of school refusal as something that happens sort of within systems, within um, sort of family systems and school sim- uh, systems and uh, the interconnections between those systems. So we know, as I've already indicated, that um, for kids who are refusing to go to school, there's often high levels of anxiety and depression, and we also see high levels of difficulty in. In some kids with managing social situations, making and sort of keeping friends. And we also see Um, elevated rates of kids um, with disabilities and uh, special needs and uh, recently there's uh, been a lot of interest in understanding the experience of kids with autism spectrum disorder or autistic kids um, and their attendance. Uh, A couple of studies I was involved in in the UK found very high levels of uh, what we've described as school refusal in kids um, with autism. There's also um, family factors and and we see, um, not surprisingly, often high levels of stress and concern um, in parents who are doing their very best to try and come to some sort of workable uh, situation um, at school or for their education of, of their child. And we also see that school um, and even broader community factors um, are important. And um, sometimes we can see the breakdown in that relationship between parents and, and schools. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that sort of later. Things can get, uh, have a bit of friction there um, sometimes. And kids and teens will talk of um, adverse sort of experiences that uh, occur um, at school, including bullying. Let's pause for a second, though, um, to talk talk about um, this name, school refusal. It's been around for a while now. Before that, it was uh, referred to as school phobia, but it's not a, a term that's universally liked. And as I understand it from the parents I've talked to um, about this, they say, well, it really is sort of pointing the finger at the child or teen. Um, uh, what's interpreted as they're being willful. They're just being disobedient and, and 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 staying away. They're trying to pull the wool over everyone's eyes, which I think is unfair. And as I've just described, I very much think of uh, this sort of phenomenon occurring sort of within systems. And um, so, and I guess the other thing to consider is that we we need to be mindful of what's happening here. Is there a very genuine reason, um, a threat that um, the child or teen is perceiving at school? are they staying away, are they refusing for a very sensible reason to keep themselves safe in the face of um, something, a situation where they're feeling in danger. So we need to consider that. So alternatives have been proposed. Uh, School can't, um, school avoidance. And um, so we don't really have a widely accepted uh, um, term. um, And uh, I think perhaps we should ask young people um, what they think um, we should be calling this, this situation. A colleague of mine did um, some work trying to understand well, when school refusal sort of started, well, what was kind of happening? Was there a trigger? Was there something that kind of set it off? And we heard a lot about bullying and teasing. Um, that that had occurred and young person was often as a result of that, feeling perhaps a danger or isolated, socially excluded. Um, from a peer group or feeling like they've got no friends at school um, which is uh, uh, very difficult to face there also might be a feared um, situation or, or person work with um, kids being afraid to go to the toilet um, at school very anxious about that or m- maybe there's been a teacher who's growled at and uh, they've become fearful of that teacher Another trigger that was mentioned was in the context of changing schools, um, shifting from um, one to the other. And that was the time. It was overwhelming um, to be able to go into a new situation and be that new kid um, in in a class. Illness as well. um, Missing school um, due to illness and having to explain perhaps where you've been and what, what you've been battling with, with perhaps some sort of chronic illness academic problems and also separation problems, difficulty uh, moving away um, from mum or dad or carers um, in the morning. So let's sort of tease this out a little bit more, thinking about these past couple of years that we've all sort of experienced with COVID and and the, the virtual online learning and, and where school refusal kind of fits. Well, we've seen, perhaps no surprise to any of you, heightened levels of anxiety and stress. And that's involved in a study that looked at um, stress levels in parents through the, the pandemic. And we really saw as the lockdowns sort of uh, came, stress sort of levels went up. And fortunately, we did see some recovery that stress levels lowered when those lockdowns had, had finished, as we'd expect. So there's been mass disruption. And one of my uh, clients um, that I work with who had um, difficulties with school refusal said, wow, you know, now everyone has it like me. And, and for, for that client, I saw as well, this is kind of equalising and uh, um, sort of perhaps a positive that um, you know, they can get back into school with everyone else um, after this time. But there's the challenge of being in and out of school, um, and particularly um, Victoria um, and uh, New South Wales as well. And these transitions were often difficult um, to move in and out of. I think there was a great risk of social isolation for some kids um, who might have found uh, interaction um, with peers um, in digital or online means um, difficult. And if you don't practice your social skills, you know, things can get tricky. It can be, can be harder. Also, there was a the lack of access to usual ports as has been um, well described. So kids haven't been able to um, connect with their supports at school and, and perhaps externally as well. And then we was sort of seen that kids sort of through being at home a lot, perhaps I'm, I'm talking mostly sort of younger kids now, primary school um, age, they've had time when they've been a lot with their parent, you know, everyone's been stuck at home and they've perhaps started to... Uh, rely upon um, their parent to help them regulate sort of strong emotions and they haven't had that time away from their parent um, because that's what's been you know uh, we've all had to do so they haven't had those capacities to develop their ways of managing things and coping. So out of that, we've seen perhaps increased sort of cleanness and and desire to be with parent in in some kids. So this has been a challenge. And I think we need, these kids need a bit of time um, to adjust to uh, uh, being at school and being without their parent um, um, during the day. Okay, so school refusal and um, reluctance, I see as a family in the school issue that requires a family and school response. It's got to be a team um, with, um, I guess, the, the adults um, you know, surrounding the child with support um, and, and providing a, a net for them. So the parents, carer, other family, as well as school staff, and in some cases, health or mental health staff providing support as well. Now, I'm going to um, focus now um, most of the rest of the time we have on parenting and and issues, um, but also uh, make reference to child and and school kind of roles or jobs, as I I sometimes call them. So um, to start out with, um, uh, I think parents need to, when they strike school field, investigate what's going on and then prepare um, for what's next um, with schooling and then put that response into place. Okay, so um, what are the tasks with the investigation? First up, we need to acknowledge and really validate the anxiety and the distress that the young person is, is experiencing. It's very real. Um, uh, anxiety that comes with physical symptoms, uh, genuine um, physical symptoms that are upsetting and, and distressing. And we need to acknowledge that um, and hear that um, and make sure um, kids and teens kind of can see that we understand and uh, there. Next step, perhaps not surprising, is work out, well, what's causing the anxiety or, or the distress? What, what what what's what's happening? And so this is where you can observe behavior. Well, are certain days of the week kind of missed? Are there, are there patterns? Um, is it that, um, that the child now seems particularly shaky when around friends and doesn't want to go on play dates or parties? So is it sort of something that's social that might be driving this? Um, are they sort of talking about the teacher as if they're fearful of the teacher? So we need to engage with the child and teen. It can be difficult and they may not know um, perhaps what's behind it or um, feel comfortable that sort of point in time in telling you so I think that's okay we need to then just uh, um, keep that conversation going need to get in touch with school and we might need to also engage with a health professional the question I like to ask is why now why did this child start you know um, with refusing this term why wasn't it last term Uh, and there or last year what's different about now we need to investigate physical symptoms Uh, they can be a sign of anxiety Headaches, stomach aches, even vomiting can be a sign of anxiety. It's part of what's called the flight and fight uh, um, response, the stress response. Our body winds up when we're in a situation when feeling stressed and sort of anxious. But sometimes there might be something gastrointestinal. So good to get that checked out and find out what's happening there. Getting back to that discussion around school refusal as a, a a name, if you like, I think it's very important for um, parents to decide um, or see if they can get the bottom of the is the child safe at school? You know, we don't want to be sending a child off into a situation where there's a very real and legitimate sort of threat. And I guess Bookwing's the, the the main sort of example uh, um, of this. So that's uh, I guess you know um, number one principle, isn't it, for parents to keep the keep the kids safe, stay connected. Um, with the child's um, uh, and teacher or the wellbeing staff member who your contact is um, at the school. So keeping up that um, uh, and conversation can help. Perhaps teachers are starting to notice something on days that um, child's sort of able to get there. So you want to keep that communication up. Sometimes, um, amongst all this, we're very focused on why the child's not going and, and, and so forth. So, I think it's important for also understanding and, and exploring why the um, child routine wants to go to school. What, what do they want to get there before, for? As many uh, of the young people I work with certainly really would want to get there if they only could. So I guess there's, um, from work done into this, uh, believe it or not, people have um, done studies looking at why kids want to go to school and uh, what is for, um, see their mates, see their friends, see their buddies. And another is for the activities, maybe that sport or art or uh, computers or whatever that's enjoyed. And then um, also for academic sort of reasons to, you know, I want to get a good job or I want to go to uni or we see that sort of in, in later years. So a good thing to explore. So hopefully with that, um, we've been able to sort of establish um, that uh, what might be happening, get a good sense of what the trigger has been of this and and what might have um, set up the the child to be uh, um, having trouble going along to school. Okay. So next uh, point to think about in in sort of now preparation is, well, which school um, are they going to return to? And I uh, certainly look to encourage the the uh, child or teen sort of perspective here. And oh, perhaps, obviously, we're going to um, put more weight in a teen's capacity to, to choose. I think there's a couple of important things to consider here, um, though sometimes it might seem very attractive to, okay, refusal at this school, we're going to the next school down the right. And, and, and things will be better there but it can be it can be a little bit fraught it can be very difficult because um, sometimes a kid who's perhaps anxious and has difficulty perhaps connecting with friends it perhaps you know takes them a while to uh, uh you know get in with sort of friends um at one school can have the same experience at, at, at the other school. And at this point, I, you know, I don't know if we've got any precise way of, you know, no one's got a crystal ball. We can't predict perhaps when school uh, um, return um, is best. But I, I like to sort of empower parents to, you know, make the best decision they can and talking to school staff and and uh, the young person as well. Another more broad sort of uh, um um, strategy is um, helping um, kids label um, emotions and the more they're able to converse and the more precisely identify sort of what's going on from them, they can then um, um, communicate that and that opens up the dialogue so have better understanding of what it is um, that might be sort of going on and how you might be able to help and then the next step is a really important one it can be a challenging one but if you think about our progress and how we're going we've sort of hopefully got a good understanding of, of what's been happening and perhaps there's you know anxiety a very strong emotion about getting along to school and if we're moving towards getting back into school or chosen a school the young person needs to have some ways of managing those strong emotions so um, they're better equipped. They're skilled to be going forth, going, all right, I know what's going to happen in, with those symptoms in my body. I know that there is a safe place for me at school. I know that I've got um, that uh, friend or two that I can uh, and catch up with lunchtime. Um, And I know I can do a breathing exercise or whatever to try and dampen down uh, um, those stressful feelings. So this becomes very important um, for uh, the child um, to be able to learn these sorts of skills. So I don't don't necessarily see it as um, uh, the parent's job, you know, parents uh, um, aren't therapists or uh, clinicians. um, And I guess this is where um, that support often does come in handy. So another one that's very common with reluctance and refusal that I thought would be helpful for us to talk about is responding to protests about um, having to go to school. So uh, perhaps you've done um, this um, uh, preparation sort of work, got a good sense of perhaps what's going on. And then it's like not going today. I'm not going to school today. And there's a a series of steps I'm going to present that perhaps we think about as as perhaps increasing your chances that um, child feels understood and is perhaps more likely um, to go with the plan about getting along to school. So and this approach, um, has been popularized by Adele um, LaFrance, and who's also researched this. And I've got a, a book to let you know that uh, Adele's written on um, these type of techniques. And Adele sort of notes that often, you know, parents can um, flip to problem solving and reassurance first. And one of her messages, well, that's important. That's important to reassure and to problem solve difficulties, but first need to connect First, we need to connect. And part of that is showing the child or teen that you kind of get it. You know why they don't want to go. And it might be something along the lines of this. I can imagine uh, why you'd rather not go to school today. School's hard, you know. I, I know perhaps there's people you want to, you know, you could uh, do with sort of not seeing. And I know you're worried about this subject or you're worried that a teacher might growl at you. And that's kind of unpleasant. I get it. Um, so this is sort of the opening sort of response. And it's like, uh, okay, okay, mum, dad, carers, this is kind of got it. You know? And that's that's it. And this is when the reassurance and problem solving kind of kicks in. Yeah. You know? And here we want to sort of model confidence. You know, you've know, um, met with the school. You've developed those ways of managing and, and coping. Um, you've done a great job at that those uh, exercises, we've sort of set up a plan. I'll talk about that soon. You know, from my chats with the wellbeing coordinator, we uh, we think we've got a way forward here. And I know you're feeling a bit wobbly. One of my clients like to call anxiety the wobblies. So with that, you know, I know you're feeling a bit wobbly. Remember your ways of chasing the wobblies away. So with this, you know, the wobblies um, invade. How can we chase those away? I spoke to your teacher there. Yeah. She's not going to be angry with you. Um, um, she understands you've been feeling a bit wobbly lately, and that might impact your concentration. But, she's, you know, you get along and do what you can of the work. And then there's the problem solving. What am I going to do at lunchtime? Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. What can, we, what can we do to sort of sort that out? What could you, how can you manage? Where's my library? Pragmatic kind of stuff uh, uh, um, there um, can be solved um, as well. Okay. Then the other part of it that's uh, important, I think, in these very busy and often very stressful kind of mornings is giving clear instructions about what you'd like to happen now. Not too much. Um, and there Versus questions. And you'll quickly sort of see the difference. So here's a clear instruction. It's time to get out of bed. I'd like you to get up and jump in the shower now. You might finish there, but for an old kid you might jump in the shower and then pop your uniform on, please. So don't Put the dressing gown back on and, and, and there versus could you get out of bed what, what, what are we going to hear to that no not getting out of bed no so it's it's providing that sort of clear instruction about what we'd sort of like to see happen after we've sort of connected with the team and we've problem solved there. grab your bag let's get in the car as opposed to the question are you ready to leave no 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 are there, So that kind of shuts things down versus keeping things moving in those, those mornings. So just to um, keep the questions to the side and, and the clear instructions the way forward. Okay, in, in terms of the response, it's also useful to think about how can we make mornings calm? What can we do the night before? How can we perhaps avoid bathroom battles by getting older brother um, in early and then perhaps younger brother sort of second? What's the, the roster going to be there to avoid that, which can perhaps derail the morning? And um, use of distraction can be helpful here as well. quite a lot of clients who like to put music on, either the, you know the, the headphones um, or sort of playing sort of uh, um, in the house. And think about that soundtrack carefully. What's the music that's going to inspire and, um, uh, and be distracting there. Another job for parents is to support the child's um, return to school plan. And I'll talk a little bit about that later when we talk about more the child jobs, um, if you like. And then uh, support your child um, to school um, or sometimes to the bus. But if you are sort of doing drop off um, to the gate and try and make that exit as quick as possible. And we had a a question um, about this, about kids wanting to sort of follow you home or follow you back to the car in this sort of situation. I think sometimes it can be helpful to see if you can enlist the help of a Uh, a teacher and there who might be able to uh, sort of drop off um, the child to that sort of teacher and then teacher can do something distracting um, and engaging um, while uh, um, you make a a quick exit. I think it's it's also about being transparent and clear with the child. I, I think that in doing that sort of quick exit sends a message you're right you got this i think um it's tempting to hang around and 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 so forth but that can sometimes send the message that oh maybe i do need mum. maybe mum thinks i need her at at this time so that quick exit and uh, if uh, at all possible uh, some short-term support um from uh, school staff can be really helpful other one that's I- I- important is supporting the child or teen to catch up with friends um, outside of school, to keep friendships going, to keep them using their social skills, to keep connected with perhaps what's going on in the school yard or on the basketball team or, or whatever um, sometimes i've heard parents say you know he's not going to school well he's not going to play football or basketball on the weekend and i say oh, you know I, I i think those things are really important um while we're not sort of going to school um and because we want to keep the social connections and the skills up there. Another sort of point, and I'll talk a little bit about therapies um, later, but I know uh, for some young people who having difficulties getting along with school and they're anxious, won't come and see um, a, a therapist or a psychologist or uh, um, for support, and, and that can be um, very um, difficult. But there was a, a study done a little while back that showed that if we provide the support to parents and in strategies and, and they' around how to manage this sort of situation, we see positive outcomes for the kid and I guess that shouldn't be surprising if the parents feeling they've got some support and they've got someone to... To help them negotiate this really tricky situation um, and make some gains there we see positive sort of outcomes so I, I think that's an important message I wanted to sort of share uh, um tonight the other point is I guess there's a whole lot of persistence that's often um, required and I know it can it seem can seem very challenging uh, for parents sort of in this situation where you know get things back on track and then all oh, the wheels fall off again and uh, it, it, it's it's just a, a, a very um, tricky um, problem. So, uh, just want to um, note that that um, persisting is is important. Know um, it's hard work. Jackie mentioned in the introduction uh, about um, some parenting guidelines I'd, I'd been working on recently. So. In developing these guidelines, what we did was we looked at all what had been published in books um, and uh, in the scientific literature on, on this uh, topic and what had been written on websites um, from around the world on, on the topic. And we compiled all the strategies um, that uh, we could find and, you know, perhaps good or bad, some of them we thought, oh, gee, that looks, uh, not not sure about that, but we, we just put them all in we put them all in um, and then we asked a number of professionals who work um, day in day out um, in, in this area we asked um, people who study um, this area and try and advance knowledge um, and uh, in the area of parenting and we also asked parents too and uh, um, with uh, experience there so we got their expertise which is really important so we we asked uh, um this sort of group of 30 40 people um, and if there was high levels of agreement on strategies it had to be very high they went in so if there's some doubt about it it didn't and uh, disagreement didn't go in And so we've compiled this, and um, I believe there's going to be an email sort of sent with the details there, Um, but that's something I hope is is useful. You'll see some of the things we've talked about uh, tonight, of course, um, in there. Let's move on to school now. And uh, it's very important, as I said, to remain in touch um, with school, and I know that can be a challenge for some parents when they feel like they're not making you know, much ground, or haven't seen much success, um, but I do uh, encourage you to keep connected. And there's often a variety of things that can really just lower the 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 bar, if you like, make the first sort of hurdle uh, um, in getting to school one that you know the kid or teen can jump over and and get in. So reductions in workload. I say any school and getting on the school campus or um, into sort of If online schooling is better than no school, rather sort of be there and amongst uh, um, others trying out new ways of sort of coping. If it's shorter days, that's fine. If it's selected classes to start off with, that's fine. Can we look at the work that's been missed and really talk to school about what's really important? What are the essential things that need to be caught up on? Because often that can be a factor that like, oh, I can't go back now. There's just a mountain of work. So talking about well, what can we cut and um, and there, Reductions in homework, I find many of the young people I work with, just homework is just too much. got through the day, that's it. okay? Let's see if we can get a uh, uh, waiving uh, or reduced or uh, no homework for a period. And then, of course, exemption from situations that are currently overwhelming. So if they're getting in and going to English and doing some work in English, let's just forget the oral presentations, or you can do the oral presentation just with the teacher, just one-on-one uh, as an easier sort of task. So I find my experience, I guess, the schools are able to respond uh, and with these things. As I said, um, having someone to meet the child at the start of the day to help settle in, this might be in a well-being sort of area or health area within the school or in primary school, that might be about meeting um, and the classroom sort of teacher. There might be some support needed just to reconnect with kids uh, is there a buddy uh, um, or could they be paired up in class with someone they're comfortable with just till they get back into the groove and start sort of settling in? For some young people, lunch times are really difficult. It's the class is kind of controlled, they know what's going to happen. Teacher's going to talk about the work, he comes to the work, I've got to do the work, that's okay. You know, I know where everyone is and stuff like that. Lunch time is a bit like, whoa, people everywhere. You know, So support during lunchtime for some kids is uh, a challenge. And some sort of privileged role responsibilities for primary school, um, and that sort of builds a, a special reason um, um, for um, attending school uh, as well. Also, the other, other one that's uh, not on there, but uh, I'll speak to is having a space where young person can kind of settle. Is there a spot that if they are feeling overwhelmed, they can go without perhaps question Um, to be able to settle down, use perhaps some of their skills and strategies uh, before returning uh, um, to class or to the next period. So a space to settle. And again, schools often very uh, able to provide this. Teen jobs. And some of these are sort of indirectly sort of mentioned with regards to parents and, and school and so forth. But understanding anxiety, Kids need to know what it is when they're feeling butterflies in their tummy or or getting uh, headaches uh, due to anxiety. So they need a way of understanding that uh, there. And... Uh, improving their ability to communicate. We talked about parents' role in sort of supporting that and um, um, listening um, for emotions and uh, encouraging that sort of communication. And another way of doing that sometimes is on what are called feeling thermometers. So it's a zero to 10 or zero to hundred sort of scales, zero is lowest and, and 10 is sort of highest. So, you know, where's your anxiety right now? You know, where's your, where are your worries? Uh, how high are the wobblies on, on, on from zero to 10? And there's lots of these sort of resources uh, around on, on the web. I'm sure you'll be able to track down, but just gives a way of anchoring. And then you're like, oh, it's a, it's a 10 this morning. Okay, we've got, to, uh, um, you know, we've got to get to our strategies and uh, things we can do to support you this morning. You're, you're a 10. I got that. What might we need to do to bring you down to an eight? what would that look like? Do you need to go jump on the trampoline or, or what, what? what is it? Where are you now? Yeah. Then uh, this is a big long list, but as suggested earlier, um, a lot of kids um, find who uh, refuse to go to school really are overwhelmed by their anxiety or their intense feelings and you know Their way of coping really is to not go because that sort of softens those feelings. So if I avoid that situation at school, then I feel better. But it only works in the short term. So we want to look at what are some more helpful um, uh, ways of managing with those anxious sort of emotional feelings. And you know, there's breathing um, relaxation here. There's thinking ways. Um, of challenging and shifting unhelpful thoughts about school that might exaggerate a sense of danger because that's often what anxiety brings. Support from friends, you know, going to school uh, along with some friends um, can be helpful. Techniques like worry time, that's, you know, um, perhaps harm minimization for worries. Do all your worrying now? Okay, we'll stop now you're done you're worrying let's move on distraction meditation app-based relaxation and physical exercise as i said go jump on the trampoline sometimes you know kids are really wound up with anxiety they've got to blow it off um, physically or as one of my clients sort of taught me i'll just do it you know i'm just going to go i'll be uncomfortable but i'm really more now starting to get worried about not going than going and, and what it means to me so i'm just going to try and blast through this okay um another one for the uh, kids and teens um, is to come up with an explanation and um, often there's a lot of worry about oh how am i going to explain where i've been all last week um or, or why i haven't been um this term yet so try and sort of come up with something that's not an outright lie explain and move on haven't been able to come well, I'm finding more and more um, teens in particular happy to say I've had anxiety, haven't been able to come help with the return to school plan. I always like to involve kids and teens in this and then work towards that. So um, just expanding upon that sort of return to school plan so when we've got a school you know with uh, we know is, is safe for the young person to go back to where the supports uh, are coming together as best uh, can be managed to overcome a, a feared situation and uh, we often need to face that situation and so anxiety is probably going to go up as we face a situation that we're fearing and but we've got now some new skills in how to manage. This is what um, and the challenge is to get back in, and this is guided by this sort of plan about you know okay on the Monday we'll go we'll meet uh, Mrs McLeod um, um, at the gate, uh, she'll take you into the classroom you'll stay till recess, um, so and then we gradually sort of build this up and encourage parents to work with school or sometimes health professional in developing one of these plans. It's right for um, the child. There's no one plan that needs to be tailored. So here's just a a very rudimentary. I often like to see lots of detail because that detail is reassuring often to kids and teens. Okay, this is happening. Okay, yeah, I can manage. I'll agree to that so for some though and this one's got what's called a fear rating in there so four out of ten fear rating is to get the uniform at home so that might be the first day next day get the uniform on and do some work at home so going to school isn't quite on the picture yet in in the picture but it's steps towards sometimes getting the uniform on is is starting to get um, anxiety provoking so I get to the school car park might be the next step, and um, a couple of steps towards that. Meet with the teacher and then go into the class. So that might be a, a plan there, just a very rudimentary one. Um, but to give you an idea, and it's this sort of staircase that we step up gradually, in sort of amounts that um, we think that the child or teen can manage so a couple of other bits and pieces um just to to mention um for some young people refusing school might need support from mental health um, professional there's not many uh, what we call evidence-based treatments so these are treatments that have been studied and have uh, someone's um, tracked well does this actually work what you know do we see improvement in kids that have had um, these treatment there's a psychological therapy called cognitive behavioral therapy um, for school refusal not all respond. It's uh, uh, you know an important minority there, um, uh, and not getting the help they need from this uh, um, treatment. Um, so sometimes other sort of supports and arrangements are, are required. So if um, that's sort of sounding like where you're at, I'd encourage you to speak to your child's um, GP um, or uh, school wellbeing staff, um, and there about um, the next steps. Self care. Uh, we'll move towards sort of wrapping up, but I think this is really important. This can be a very stressful um, situation for for parents and families when a child is sort of struggling to sort of get along to school. I think it's important um, to to know that you're not the only one, and certainly. And it's important amongst all this for, for parents to, if they can connect with other parents who might have had a similar sort of experience and, and learn from them or just share and debrief. and also to think about their own well-being and make time for that. because as I was sort of saying earlier, if um, parents are in better shape, Um, we see that uh, um, kids and teens are often able to cope uh, better. So they might think, oh, I shouldn't be focusing on me. Well, I think, yes, spend a bit of time focusing on you uh, whilst balancing your other commitments, of course. And think about siblings too and the impact and and talk to them in a language that they can understand about what might be happening and uh, so they have an understanding. Um, Seek your own assistance, as uh, um, uh, I mentioned earlier, can be very helpful, but this is uh, obviously hard work for for an important cause. There's a couple of books I'd like to remember, and these are going to be also in the email um, that comes after this session. So this is the one I mentioned um, earlier, or the author I mentioned earlier, Adele LaFrance, What to Say to Kids When Nothing Seems to Work. And look, these aren't magic. Um, You know, they won't transform things instantly, but I think they put you in a better situation to help um, uh, improve that sort of communication. Uh, And uh, this next one's by Chris Carney um, from the US. It's called "Getting Your Child um, Back to School," um, a parent sort of guide. And this one's uh, just been updated recently. And We've talked a little bit about um, anxiety. So I just want to mention a good book um, for parents um, called you and your anxious child this one's by Anne marie albano who's a uh, uh, international expert and uh, um, therapist a psychologist um, in the area of sort of anxiety so at this point um we're going to have some time for questions but i really would like to thank you for your attention thanks for um coming along and i hope um what i've talked about in the webinar has been useful or for some parents might have been like, oh, yeah, I'm on the right track. And either of those um, I I hope have been the case uh, for you today.
0: Thank you so much, Glenn. It's lovely to see it all together. I think we've we've had we've looked at bits over the years, haven't yes, we? But yes. this has certainly been really, really interesting and useful. We do have some really good questions, uh, and noting to our folks that some of your questions may require perhaps some, some more attention and uh, and recommendation that you do uh, get some professional help. So um, we will be directing you uh, to where you know some suggestions in that email as to where you will be able to go. To to get that help. So, first question, Glenn, is any strategies for a long-term can't-do school
1: child? Mm, yeah, um, certainly. Uh, well, I think... When school's sort of been missed um, um, for a long time, there's a couple of sort of priorities. One is looking at um, wellbeing and ensuring that socialisation, there are opportunities for for socialising and and connecting with friends because we want that to happen. For long term, I think um, some of the similar sort of strategies that I've, I've mentioned still remain important. Do we have a good understanding of what's driving and being aware that that can change over time. I've worked with a number of young people who, when they first came to see me, were really anxious in social situations. And uh, over time, they've found, I'm not so worried. I don't really care what people think. Uh, sort of developed a little bit of uh, um, their sort of independence and not so worried about that. So I think it comes back to getting a good sort of understanding um, there. Um, for some, um, and we haven't talked about it, if there's a the capacity to focus on doing virtual learning. If you know things are very difficult and it's, it's not looking like a return to bricks and mortar school is going to be achievable. And then I think we have to sometimes look at, well, let's focus on the education, because that's certainly a protective factor for kids if they can get some education, opens up options later on. So I guess those are a couple of things. We still have to come back to what's the cause of the problem? And hopefully with readdressing that and knowing that it might have changed, um, we might be able to get some sort of traction. Um, Otherwise, we focus on, well, let's get some education happening. And in each state in Australia, there's um, Department of Education-based virtual um, learning in, in Victoria. It's called Virtual School Victoria.
0: All right, thank you. So here's, a, here's, here's an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Our Year 8 coordinator has told us to mm-hmm. ban her phone the minute she refuses to go to school and that does, um, she doesn't get it back until she does go to school. Is that okay? Uh, I've got um, my own view on that one, yeah. but I'm interested
1: in that <laughs> <laughs> uh, Look, I, I, I guess, uh, you know, I, I, I'd want to understand how that coordinator thought that was going to work. Um, Usually we find carrots rather than sticks uh, um, tend to work. I'd want to be thinking about how that young person would feel um, with that restriction. And uh, look, I think... During the day, we we don't want to inadvertently encourage non-attendance through home being a party or extra privileges or I'll cook you a nice lunch or or things that might, you know, just keep things a little bit stuck. At the same time, you know, if we look at behavioural principles, if we reward what we're after um, rather than take away, that tends to work. So, without... Uh, cutting across perhaps what that coordinator had in mind, uh, I, I think there's other approaches that we could try.
0: That's very tactful, Glenn.
1: Thank you. <laughs> I do my best.
0: <laughs> I, I would have thought, no, it's not right and it's not good. <laughs> I do okay. remember you saying I do remember you saying carrots rather than threats. I remember that in a previous yeah. conversation yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Mm. yeah so I'm not sure whether you're aware of this program but mm-hmm. um, the eligibility for the Navigator program mm-hmm. should that be lowered from 12 to possibly 10 or younger? Mm.
1: Look, that's a very good question and I've um, done a bit of work supporting some navigator teams. I'm very familiar with that um, um, service. I think we need a separate primary school age service I think there's different issues, um, um, often for primary um, school kids and different sort of parenting um, sort of needs as well. So I actually bumped into the uh, Ministerial um, Secretary for Education at an event recently, and uh, some might be aware there's been a report written about Navigator Program, and he said they were going to take on very seriously um, the recommendations of, of that report and i have heard whispers of um, extensions um in victoria so there's a victorian program for kids who've missed um 70% of more of a school term so i th- yeah, i think we need a separate service
0: yeah oh that's encouraging to know that they're looking at um at looking at that uh, extending it or specifically for younger ones. Yeah. Um, so this um, question has come up in the chat, but it's actually also come up in a lot of our questions as well. Mm. How can I approach the school in an impactful way when they are when they are not responsive?
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and I guess this is a situation uh, we can we can sort of see where things are sort of broken down. I think there's uh, a, a few things, um, but I'm, I'm sure others will have uh, other ideas in, in this sort of space as well. But I think there's a couple of things making time um, to see uh, them sort of face-to-face uh, and I think have um, your points written out um, about what your needs are. And so go in and take notes um, in the meeting and then send your notes back to the school um, um, as a record of what's happened. And you know, as we discussed, level coordinator's job is this, my job as a parent is this, child's job is this. So everything's sort of laid out, you know, very clear about you know, what's um, what's required to support the young person. So I think you take this sort of approach that keeps people accountable, you know? So and then if someone misses their job, um, we go, all right, okay, this person needs a bit more support or this person needs a bit of a hurry up um, to get on to organising whatever it kind of was. So I guess that's the approach I I tend to recommend. I know um, things aren't perfect in in schools. You know, um, it it never is. Schools are very busy um, and um, uh, often sort of, you know, doing their very best uh, um, under tricky circumstances at the the moment. But I think um, that method of um, making time for a meeting and being very clear about your sort of needs Um, And then I guess the other um, thing to be aware of in most departments of education, if you're not getting the support you need from the school, you can escalate it um, to a regional office and talk to officers there whose job it is, is to support attendance. Um, So I encourage if you're not getting what you need, let, let people know and i'd encourage
0: everything that glenns saying absolutely but all, we need that parent leadership you are there as your child's advocate you know and sometimes because of the busyness of schools don't sit back and uh, let let it all let the fates decide you know, you, do, you do have to step up and get a little bit more involved i think it sometimes so how do you get kids to buy into a plan to return to school mm-hmm. when they've convinced themselves that they will go next term for a fresh start that they never yes. do
1: yeah yeah <laughs> the, I, I promise I'll go you know, sometime sort of in the future. I, I think it's it's partly about gently saying, hmm we had we tried it your way. <laughs> we tried that way. How do we go? how's our success sort of been? And I, I guess that's sort of the first thing. and I think you know that can open up a, a bit of a conversation around well, if there's been that plan it hasn't worked. what are we missing? Where's the support M- not there? And I imagine for, a child who's who's saying those sorts of things, that that there's still some situations they're yet to master or feel comfortable kind of in. So they'll need to figure out what those needs are and then um, address them. And then I think it's about perhaps trying a, a different approach because we, we tried that one, like going in six weeks' time after the holidays, it didn't work. And I guess what we know is if we take small steps now, we also have a chance of feeling better better sooner so we can feel like i went you know and i see kids sort of skip into the you know clinic i went you know i went wasn't that bad you know Uh, uh, and so they have an opportunity um, for success but if it's way down the, the the road it's there's not opportunities for success but it does. It is important still to address those needs.
0: Glenn, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, this has been a, a terrific discussion, and I'm aware that we do have some unanswered yes. questions. Yep. But I am reasonably confident that in the resources that you're going to be getting, uh, those will be answered. Yep. Uh, so mm-hmm. please look out for the email from uh, from VPC. Uh, so we'll have the, all the resources that Glenn spoke about. Uh, I'm, I'm confident that those questions will be answered. Yep. We've got no, we take a note of them. So please join me in thanking uh, Glenn Melvin for being with us this evening. Uh, it's always look it's just been such a tricky tricky situation anyway, but made so much worse by uh, the the challenges that we've had over the pandemic period. Um, thank you so much for your expertise and your time, Glenn. He's very, always very generous with his time, so we really appreciate that. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you. Thank you to our guest speaker. We hope you enjoyed today's topic. Want to know more about this podcast and other VPC podcasts? Please visit the VPC website, vicparentscouncil.vic.edu.au and leave a review. We would also welcome you to contact us if you would like to be our guest or if you have a topic around parenting and education. Thank you to Melbourne singer, Emma Sydney, for her permission to use her soundtrack, Cherish,